Hi there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the London Horror Movie Club audio. This pairs with the movie club on my Instagram, at Dr. Lauren Barnett. We are in the month of December, which means we're moving from the 1920s into the 1930s. This year I'm doing each month as a different decade. And with the 1930s, we have the film Werewolf of London. This is a really great film. It's black and white, but it isn't silent. So we're moving back into audio. People are, well, not back. Um, now there's audio in films. And it's it's also got quite a lot of character to it. And it's a really sort of fun and engaging film. Um, if you have trouble finding it, I want to make sure to say you can find it on YouTube, Google Play, Amazon Prime Video. There might be other places you can find it, but those I can tell you for sure as of today in December in 2020, you can find them there. Uh, make sure to look up Werewolf of London. There's a few other films, not least the really famous and amazing 1980s film, American Werewolf in London. Um, so make sure you're looking for the 1935 Werewolf of London. And I chose this film this month, of course, because it has some really interesting ways of showing and really common ways of showing London that will last throughout all of this movie club and in most major London horror films, but also because this is the kind of film you can watch and get excited about if you're not necessarily somebody who's super into horror or you don't know that you enjoy horror films yet. Um, I think I mentioned last time, uh, I don't I don't really have friends who enjoy horror films. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but uh, even my partner doesn't enjoy horror films. But every now and then I can convince them one is really worth watching because there are, just like every genre of film, some really incredible films that doesn't matter if it's your genre. You can't help but adore. Um, this is this is a film that, that's sort of more suitable for anyone who, who might find horror films a bit too scary if you're not comfortable with that side. This is 1930s, so a lot of the, the violence is much less than we would see on TV or children's shows or anything that we would watch now. And it also has a really lovely love story at the center of it and a really complex story that touches on things like imperialism and on social strata in London. And so there's a lot of depth and interest to it. But it's also, and this, this actually came up after I'd picked it, it's also not a bad film. If you have kids who like horror, but you're not totally into horror yourself. The reason I'm saying this is because I have my, my very best friend in the world. She has no interest in horror films, saw them when she was a kid once, and it just scared her far too much. But her son does. Her son's really young. I mean, not he's not an infant, but he's, he's young. He's not a tween yet. And he loves horror films, horror stories. And so every now and then she'll come to me to sort of ask about a book he's reading or a movie he wants to watch because I... As she likes it, I, you know, I grew up with horror films, watching them when I was really little, and I didn't turn out to be psycho. Um, <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say, but a lot of people do worry about that. I, I, I don't know why, but people worry for some reason that if you can enjoy things that are scary, that that might traumatize you or make you unusual. Um, I have no idea why. I, I don't know anyone like that. But anyway, um, this is a really easy film to watch with kids because it's definitely child appropriate. I think that's the thing that was always for me with my parents is that you you were fine with to watch or read whatever but you wanted to make sure it was sort of age appropriate just like any other movie or book that you watched. And Werewolf of London is very sort of all age appropriate. I think nowadays it would be rated sort of 
G, you know, anybody can watch it. Again, it has less violence than cartoons because in the 1930s, things that were considered horrific weren't necessarily what we would consider scary today. But it does have those great, interesting, engaging horror moments. There is still tension and fear, and there's this fantastic scene where you see the actor, I'm not giving anything away, become a werewolf. And you see that happen on screen, and it's it's the magic of cinema, and it's amazing, and it's scary, but in a, in a safe way because you're you're watching someone transform with makeup. It's not as sort of detailed or graphic as later 1980s, 1970s films where you see transformations happen that are more sort of body horror. This is just... He becomes really hairy and his, his face becomes slightly different, but it's still the same actor underneath. And it's it's somehow more powerful because he, you can see the man in The Beast. I really like it. Um, but so you still get these great horror moments, but they aren't so much so that you have to worry that your kid's going to have nightmares for weeks. Um, so yeah, um, <laughs> to sum up, this is it's a great horror movie for anyone to engage with because there, there are the great horror moments and the, the sort of things that fascinate, but it's also a really interesting and amazing story and it's not overly graphic or violent for somebody who might not be comfortable or old enough to necessarily process that well. Uh, that's obviously your call. When I was three, I watched Terminator, so to each their own. Anyway, I've been babbling. The important thing to talk about here is the film itself. Uh, Werewolf of London is, as you imagine, a werewolf story set in London. No surprises there. It starts with Wilford, he's this botanist, and he's he's in Tibet to begin the film, and he's looking for this rare plant, and he gets attacked. And the next thing we see, he's in London, and he's starting to, to sort of lose control of his, his nights when the, the moon comes out. It's not giving anything away to say that he's a werewolf. And it does this really beautiful, creepy Jekyll and Hyde thing where he's he's losing control of himself and that's scary, but in doing that, he's also losing some of his relationship. He has this marriage and he, he's very dedicated to his work, so the marriage is already... It's not strained, but it's already something that, that has to, to deal with something else being a major force in the marriage. And... On top of that, now he's disappearing in the 90s, sections of time he can't remember, and he's beginning to realize what's happening to him. And it, it's a very human reaction. There's a lot of sort of internal fear about the man that he is, the way it's affecting his marriage, the, the risk to his wife. And it's this really sort of sweet. I, I, I know people don't associate sweet with horror films, but it's this really sweet thing because he, he does truly adore and love his wife, and that's something that's important. And he also really cares about being a good man, even, even when he's dealing with this other side of him. It's important to him to be a good man. And it's really hopeful in that respect because you want, you want him to be okay, and you want him to stay, stay who he is and maybe learn something from it. And it's a horror movie, so there's a lot there's a lot that goes on and it's a lot more complicated. I'm not going to ruin the ending. You have to watch the film to see what happens with him and to his wife and to everyone around him. But one of the other interesting elements, if I can give a tiny bit away, that comes in is that somebody who is another botanist uh, appears partway through the film and tells him that he, he's a werewolf, that's what's happening to him, and also tells him how he might be able to cure himself. And this brings in another element of 
morality on the scientific professional side the thing that might cure him is it is it a dangerous thing is it something that he wants to exploit in that way i don't want to give too much away so i'm probably sounding a little weird but when you watch the movie this will make sense um but yeah it's 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 got these really interesting complex things and, and of course the 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 other doctor uh Yam yamoto i think is his name let me have a little think here his no no it's it's yagami i'm so sorry um dr yagami insists that he's a werewolf as well and and you start to to sort of it brings in an interesting element about how much of the werewolf stuff is actually related to him um but yeah so there's a lot of there's some good mystery and and there's this interesting question throughout about what he is a British doctor. This is Wilfred again. He is a British doctor. Does what it means for him to go off to other countries like Tibet and take things back with him. And and it's an interesting question now as well. I mean, we have this issue here in Britain with the Elgin marbles. Um, but there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on is the message I'm trying to get across here. And on top of all of that, which is enough reason to enjoy and, and, and engage in the movie, there's a lot emotionally going on. There's a lot visually going on. You get this really fantastic image of London and London at night. And this is something that if you if you're sticking with me on the London horror side of this, if you're interested in London and horror, this comes back again and again. But it's also something that gets reinvented throughout generations. And, and there's some touchstones that remain the same. And you see them here and, and you saw them a little bit in the sort of stills from last month's movie, London After Midnight. You get these intense, dark, shadowy, foggy images of London, and this this very gothic Victorian image of London, where you have cobbled streets and you know glowing lamp posts. It would have been gas lights, but it's depending on the time. It might not be gas at the moment, and then fog, and this heavy sort of obscure night that really I think defines London for a lot of people. If you watch The Simpsons, there was a Treehouse of Horror episode that played with the Ripper and, and it's, you know, you, you get the same thing, the cobbled streets, the, the smoke, sorry, fog. Uh, and and it's, it's very much what people picture London as when London is scary and London's at night. And of course this film is, is was contemporary for its time, since so the 1930s, but it's still drawing on, you know, 30, 40 years ago drawing on those same images of London and London sort of stuck in the past. And there's something great primeval almost to it. I mean, it's a werewolf film. It's bringing out the animal in you. And it's sort of like the animal that lurks under London is this foggy, obscure, you know, everything's, you can see it, but you see it in a weird way. It's got this odd halo. It, it's shadowy. It's damp. It sort of soaks into the bone in that primal way like living in a cave almost and it sort of suits the werewolf story and it, it suits a lot of london stories we'll get a lot of these stories like werewolf london with two sides of man and it's the two sides of london you know london in the day and london at night are different beasts if you live there it's a it's a fantastic thing to do walk walk at night the city you know so well in the day um i now live in edinburgh and i had a very different experience at night it's sort of it's sort of the same. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's you know, it's lit and stuff, but it doesn't have the same sort of night personality that London does. I don't know if it's how compact the city is, or if it's something about having seen it in films my whole life. 
But yet London at night is something different from London in the day. And it really works with the storyline, I think, really well. And it's something that London does really beautifully, is that idea that you're you're in the past and the present, you're at night, and you're in somewhere familiar, but you're somewhere different. It, it works on all of these sort of dual sides of you and who you are and the things that you think you know. And I think that's one of the great things about London and horror films. It's not every horror film, but it's a really strong thread. It's something that sticks out. And I think Werewolf in London does that so well. Um, and the other thing I have to say for this film is if you do like classic horror stuff, it, it's got things that you know so well. It's got some sort of <laughs> comforting, if you are a horror fan, familiarity. You get, I talked about earlier, that that facial transition and you'll think you'll think American Werewolf in London, you'll think Jekyll and Hyde, it, it, it's something you know, but it's also something slightly different. And you, you get these sort of, the, the damsel of distress, which becomes popular and then not popular and then popular again. Uh, Shaun of the Dead did that really well. Um, you, you get that sort of the love story and what it does. And you also get the, the sort of really familiar tropes of, of you know, you get, you get jump starts and you get, you get flashes of things, but you also get sort of creeping horror. It blends all these different ways of being afraid and engaged and worried for something, someone that you care about. And then it, it just, it calls, it pushes all those buttons. It's sort of, it's nostalgic and honest and it's, it's what a horror movie is all about to me. Or, I mean, one of several films, this isn't the only film that that's true of, but it really does capture what horror is about, what London horror, a certain kind of London horror is about. And it's something so easy to watch with other people. I, I, I very much, if you're like me and you're somebody who, who there's, you have sort of hardcore horror fans in your life. In my case, it's just me and my brother who lives in America. Um, and then you have sort of people who aren't really into horror. It's something you could watch with all of them. They'll all get something, something out of it. They'll all find something interesting to it. And honestly, it's, it's great acting. You know, we, we don't really look back on movies that often that aren't considered sort of, you know, Turner classics, you know, Hitchcock or et cetera. And this is a great film. It's just really well done. It's really well made. It's acted well. The storyline's interesting. It's a solid, good film. Who doesn't want to enjoy that? Right, I, ho I hope I haven't rambled, first of all, too long. And I hope I've given you, you know, interesting reasons to engage with this film if you haven't seen it before. If you have, it, it's worth revisiting. I liked it, I, you know, I watched these couple days before I do this audio cast just to remind myself and not mix up storylines and try to remember names because I do this podcast off the top of my head and it's great to watch again you know there's so much to love and it's it's just fun it's fun and scary and that's the best of horror films anyway thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed the film this has been Lauren Barnett and I really think there's a horror movie out there for everyone so who knows this might be your film <laughs>